Welcome to Soundwaves at St. Bede's, a weekly broadcast of St. Bede's Episcopal Church in Los Angeles, California, a vibrant and inclusive community of faith serving Venice, Playa Vista, Mar Vista, Ocean Park, and beyond. Each week, Soundwaves will feature the sermon from last Sunday's worship services. In addition, as often as possible, we will share selections from the extraordinary St. Bede's music program, update our listeners on church news, and convey the stories of our faith as we live out our baptismal covenant. As always, we invite you to worship with us at St. Bede's on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Additional information and directions to our church campus can be found on our website, stbedesla.org, S-T-B-E-D-E-S-L-A.org. Thank you for listening, and may you be blessed this day and every day by God's unconditional love and eternal grace. Have any of you ever bought something sight unseen? A house, a car. All right, there's some of you, so I'm not alone. Thank you, Ina, for making sure that I'm not alone in this. When we actually moved back from Hawaii to California, we bought our car, I mean, we bought our house sightseeing. We saw the pictures on the internet, but the first time that we actually saw the house was when we took possession of it and walked into it. But my experience of buying something sight unseen actually starts back in elementary school. I am a baseball fan, um, and dare I say, I love to collect memorabilia. I don't do as much as I used to, but in elementary school days and on, I love to collect memorabilia. And I had and have two teams. Uh, growing up in Orange County, yes, I am an Angel fan, so be gentle with me, you Dodger fans. You're in our prayers today. Um, but I also grew up a huge Chicago Cubs fan. Now, how does that happen? Well, I remember coming home from elementary school, and Cubs were on WGN, and in those days, Wrigley Field did not have lights. So all of their games were in the daytime. When I came home from school, I could catch a couple of innings. And I grew up in the era when there was people like Andre Dawson and Sean Dunstan and Ron Say, who later became a, uh, a Dodger. And my favorite player growing up was Ryan Sandberg, the second baseman for the Chicago Cubs. Now maybe it's because we shared the same name. But I also want to believe that it was because he was a tremendous second baseman. My older brother, Todd, had a friend who knew that I was a big fan of memorabilia. And so um, one day he asked me, who's your favorite baseball player? And without hesitation, I said, Ryan Sandberg. And he said, oh, how ironic. I actually have a baseball signed by Ryan Sandberg. I immediately had to have this baseball signed by Ryan Sandberg, my favorite player. And so I asked him how much he wanted. And after a little bit of negotiating, I ultimately 
you know, settled on a price and I probably paid a lot more than I should have paid and certainly could have not afforded when I was in elementary school. But nevertheless, I bought that baseball. Two days later, my brother comes home from school and he throws me this square box and in that box was that baseball. Not any baseball, but a baseball signed by Ryan and I grabbed the box and I sprinted off to my room. I opened the box, I ripped out the protective covering, and I looked at the ball. And there it was, a beautiful, bright white baseball with the Major League logo in red and blue. And then I rotated the ball around and my eyes became fixed upon the black signature on the ball. Ryan. Sandberg. Unfortunately, it was spelled R-Y-A-N. That's how I spell my name. Ryan Sandberg, for those of you who are baseball fans, might remember that he spells his name R-Y-N-E. It seems my brother's friend had conned me and that the ball was a fraud and he probably signed the baseball himself. So much for buying something sight unseen. The sense of sight takes center stage in this morning's gospel reading. It's a brilliant story, culminating in Mark's middle section just before Jesus' triumphant entry in Jerusalem. Bartimaeus, introduced to, is a blind beggar who's sitting on the roadside just outside the walls of Jericho. And people probably walk by Bartimaeus each day as he likely begged for some food or for some spare change. Not unlike his modern counterparts, the world was blind to Barnabas and his predicament. He was a sight unseen. He languished outside the walls of Jericho, totally dependent on the generosity of others who walked by him to survive. So we see and hear the story this morning as Jesus and his entourage are exiting Jericho, Bartimaeus hears the commotion, senses the opportunity, and boldly and courageously shouts to get Jesus' attention. Bartimaeus recognizes Jesus as the son of David. Bartimaeus recognizes Jesus' sight unseen. Bartimaeus' audacious, attention-grabbing act is met with immediate and fierce pushback by those following Jesus. But Bartimaeus realizes the gravity of the situation and the moment. Just maybe the son of David will restore Bartimaeus' humanity. Artemis refuses to be defined by the circumstances 
and by the expectations of those around him. And so what does he do? He yells even louder. He screams so loud that it catches the attention of Jesus. Here is my favorite part of this story. What does Jesus do? Stops in his tracks. He stops still when he hears Barnabas screaming out. Despite what awaits him in Jerusalem as he leaves Jericho, and amid the commotion and the chaos, when he hears Bartimaeus, he stops dead in his tracks. This might be the only time in the Gospel where we hear that Jesus is so moved by what's going on that he stops right then and there. I think what a powerful image. Our Lord and Savior is so disrupted by this man calling out that he stops immediately. Bartimaeus is not calling out merely for survival. Bartimaeus wishes to thrive. He wants to thrive. He longs to regain his sight, opening a pathway for Bartimaeus to reclaim his humanity. Bartimaeus' journey begins with him seeing the son of David. Following Jesus' invitation for him to come closer, Bartimaeus responds in epic fashion. What does he do? He throws off his cloak. His cloak is everything he owns. It provides to him protection and warmth. It is probably his only possession. And without hesitation, he discards that possession as he rushes toward Jesus. Think back two weeks ago when we heard the story of the rich, young rich man. And the one thing he lacks is his is, is desire for possessions, and he walks away grieving. It's a very different response this morning. Bartimaeus is willing to part with everything he has as long as he can get closer to Jesus. And then we hear this familiar question that we heard last Sunday that Jesus asked. What do you want me to do for you? Now, in last week's Gospel story, Jesus is posing this question to James and John, who are squabbling for power and positions of influence. But both Bartimaeus' intention and his response are very different from the disciples. When he responds, my teacher, let me see again. Let me see again. Now, it's important in that response to realize that at some point, Bartimaeus must have had sight. Because he says, let me see again. So Bartimaeus knows what the world looks like. 
He's seen the beauty of God's creation, and he's willing to risk everything to regain his sight. Bartimaeus longs to be restored and redeemed and understands that Jesus and Jesus alone can offer those things to him. Go, your faith has made you well, Jesus declares. Bartimaeus' final response to this healing is unlike many others that we witness in the Gospels. As you might remember, there are countless healing stories and most people get healed and then they rush off and continue their lives. But Bartimaeus responds by following Jesus and does does not only follow Jesus, follows him on the way. For the writer of Mark's Gospel, Bartimaeus is a worthy and noble follower of Jesus. Bartimaeus' relationship with God is not weighed down by worldly distractions and aspirations for positions of honor. Instead, Bartimaeus sees Christ for who he is and knows that he must follow him sight unseen on the way. A way that is unsettling and unjust. A way that demands faith and perseverance. A way that seeks to destroy systems and seats of power that oppose God's will. A way that is not for the faint of heart. A way that will strip you of your cloak mock you, beat you, and crucify you. A way that many of the disciples wanted nothing to do. But Martimaeus is on the way with Jesus. He's a wonderful figure and an unlikely hero in Mark's Gospel. As Jesus leaves Jericho for Jerusalem and all that awaits him, Bartimaeus offers to Christ, offers to Mark's audience, offers to the church, and offers to each and every one of us a glimpse of what faith can look like on the other side of the empty tomb. So much good news flows from this brief interaction. And I want to propose to all of us that there are three takeaways worthy of our attention this morning. One, Bartimaeus reminds us, and maybe even teaches us, that to move from a condition of survival to a position of thriving, we must be willing to move out of our current situations by taking risk. Even if it means stripping off our cloak, that item that keeps us safe and warm. What are those risks we need to take professionally? What are those risks we need to take personally and spiritually? What are those risks we need to take as St. Bede's as we prepare to call the next rector? In order to not only survive, but thrive, we have to take risks. We have to risk seeing the world 
through new eyes. Secondly, Artemis demonstrates extraordinary courage and conviction when he seeks out God's healing grace and his willingness to follow Christ blindly on the way. Jesus does not restore Bartimaeus' sight alone. Bartimaeus sought out Christ. Bartimaeus engaged Christ, and he responded to Christ. Bartimaeus did not allow his position in life to hold him back. He fought others off who tried to order him to be quiet, and he even shouted at the son of David. Bartimaeus acted, and Jesus responded by standing still. Without hesitation, we know that Bartimaeus contributed to his own healing and redemption. In order to not only survive but thrive, we must be active participants and agents of God's redemptive work. And finally, three. In seeking out healing, we are seeking to assure our survival. However, healing that is absent of embracing God's love and grace is incomplete. When we follow Christ on the way as Bartimaeus did after being healed, we discover ourselves restored in unimaginable ways. We realize that we are ready to thrive in and for the one who has empowered us. Bartimaeus was not content with receiving the gift of sight and simply moving on with his life. Bartimaeus, being redeemed and restored, now was ready to give witness to Jesus Christ. Follow blindly Jesus on the way. People that thrive through faith, communities that thrive to be faithful, step forward without hesitation, at least little hesitation, and without expectations to follow Jesus on the way blindly. And by I mean we retrace each of Jesus' footsteps in the sand with our feet. Like a little child retraces their parents' steps in the sand. We retrace Jesus' footsteps only inches away from the soles of our Savior's sandals. In order to not only survive but thrive, we must courageously follow Jesus each and every day on the way. Who knew? Who knew that a once blind beggar could thrive in Christ, for Christ, and with Christ by not only those things seen, but those things lived out, sight, unseen. Amen.
Thank you. 